Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back inside the screening room, checking out the new releases in theaters and on home video. Again this week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With a 70-foot-wide ultra screen, Atmos, Dolby, Surround Sound, and Dream Lounger recliners. Have they trademarked my big comfies? (laughs) Get on that. Marcus Crosswoods Theater. We start off with the latest from Steven Spielberg. This one has had some buzz for a while. When the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find the Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune. It's Ready Player One. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello. If you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival, and how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. It's nothing less than a war. We're control of the future. Welcome to the rebellion. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the Oasis. Do you like the 80s? <laughs> if you like the 80s, you're going to like this movie because this is, this is an Easter egg of 80s nostalgia, pretty much. It's also really, I think, a very affectionate ode to gaming. I think, you know, it, in the way we were saying that the Lego movie loved Legos. Like, yeah. you, at its heart, it loved building with Legos. That's what this This is a movie that's not pretending. They love It loves gaming. Yeah, and that is... Admittedly lost on us because we're not gamers. No, we're not. But that's not to take anything away from the movie because it is a ton of fun. And I I imagine both of us can only imagine that if you're a gamer, it's going to be even more fun. Well, just like I think if you are a gamer and maybe a millennial, you're thinking to yourself, boy, I bet fans of the 80s are really enjoying this movie (laughs) because I am that. I am an 80s baby and I loved... All of the all of the call outs. But look about look at this. Now this movie is set in Columbus, Ohio, yes, which it is. is our home base, which we found interesting because it's based on on the book written by a guy named Ernest Klein, mm-hmm. who's from Columbus, mm-hmm. Ohio. So he based the the story there. So that was cool. It's it's Columbus in twenty forty five. So even then they must love the eighties. That's I right. Mean, people are just loving the eighties. Well, it's funny that that's I think that's always been uh, uh, something that an issue with the book and now with the novel is why are people in 2045 so taken with the 80s well of course because Ernest Cline who's probably about my age I'm gonna guess was taken with the 80s but that's okay I mean it it, it plays well yeah what a perfect choice for a director yes for a movie that's nothing but 80s odes than Steven Spielberg as I've said before this is like a Steven Spielberg movie inside an ode to Steven Spielberg movies. Yeah, if you watched it and you didn't know who the director was and you had one guess, I think that guess would be Spielberg and you would be correct. Yes. It looks fantastic. Uh, you want to see it on the biggest screen possible. I yeah. think we've said that about a few movies lately, but this is definitely one because, let's face it, so much of it plays out inside this oasis. The this virtual reality world, VR yes. VR world, you know, as... When they hunt to find these Easter eggs, a young gamer played by Ty Sheridan, who Who we we always like, Uh, he goes by the gamer name Parsival. He figures out the first clue, and he is able to grab the first of three keys Mm -hmm. that will make him the winner. 
and get not only the fortune of the inventor of Oasis, but also control over this VR world. So then he's not only an instant celebrity, but he's kind of a marked young man because uh, Sorrento, played by Ben Mendelsohn, another guy we always we love. love. He's kind of the evil henchman. Well, you know. and that's just the thing, right? In in very Spielberg fashion, yeah. what you have is this collection of, of misfit nerdy kids, and they have to beat the suits. Right. Because as soon as the competing company realize that all you need to do is win this game and you control Oasis, they have hired scores and scores of people who do nothing but train to try to find this these Easter eggs so that that company can take it over. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Ben Mendelsohn's character doesn't even game. <laughs> he has to have pop culture references fed into his ear that's right. through an earpiece when he talks with Parsa. So he's such a yeah. suit. That's 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 the whole dynamic. You've got uh, Parsifal and then his friend um, Artemis, played by Olivia Cook, who's very good and really good right now in a movie called Thoroughbreds. Yeah. If you get a chance to see it, yeah, she's definitely breaking out here. So their group of, of young gamers then takes off to find to complete the rest of these these Easter eggs and these tasks and win these keys. It kind of becomes a little bit of a Lord of the Rings, except they're <laughs> the Lord of the Keys. They have to find these keys. But again, so much of it plays out on screen inside this virtual reality world and that part of it looks cool as they're zipping through as you say all of these 80s callbacks while all of this 80s music is just pumping you know everything from <laughs> bruce to blondie to van halen to you name it joan jack yeah it, exactly is is playing out on the screen so you really get that you know let's crank up the tunes and game <laughs> type of vibe so it looks fun. It moves pretty quickly. Yes. You know, it's got a two-hour and 20-minute running time, but I didn't think it really felt like that. No, I mean, it moves. I, honestly, I didn't It either. moves pretty no. quick, and it's a lot of fun. Now, the, the, the problem, I guess, if you took away the nostalgia factor and the gaming factor, I'm not sure how much of this narrative could holds up. No, it's but pretty it's really a, it's, it's really a moot point, though, yeah. because that's what this movie is about. It's about the, the fun and the nostalgia and the gaming and what it looks like. So maybe, again, it's it's moot to say that, well, take that away, you don't have much. But really, the narrative at the, at the soul of this is a little bit thin. Very much. It's just a skeleton to hang all the bells and whistles on. And that's because that, so that's the thing when it comes down to it. It's a fun movie. You will have a blast watching it, but it's it's an insubstantial film. And that's why neither one of us read the book. But it's in talking to people that did read the book, I think more than a few gave it that. Well, this is a, almost impossible to film. We, we, we've seen that in the last few years with yeah. some novels like Cloud Atlas. Yeah. Well, you couldn't film that well. They did. Uh, and again, in this one, they did. Now, I don't know how well they brought it to the screen. You'd have to, if you read the book, you can judge that for yourself. But I think as just a, a movie adventure, it is fun. It's one that's easy to get lost in. I don't think it's one that is going to make you ponder the future of existence and, and think about much. But while you're there, I think you're going to have a good time. Yeah, I think that's for sure. Especially if you like The Shining. <laughs> that is great. I think we both of us want a Shining video game <laughs> right now. That was that had to be when we were coming out of the screening. We were asked some of the the, the reps from the the studio what your favorite part was, and both of us said The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could have guessed that, but uh, yeah, Ready Player One I think gets a recommendation for both of us just for. Just for the fun factor alone, exactly. because it is. It is just a, a lot of fun, and it looks great. And what is battling with Ready Player One this week? Well, a couple, uh, at least one more in wide release. It's the latest from Tyler Perry, writer, director, producer. The story of a faithful wife tired of standing by her devious husband is enraged when it becomes clear she has been betrayed. It's Tyler Perry's Acrimony. You ever considered that maybe there's another way to look at this? Maybe he did mean what he said. 
He caused all of this. All of it. Taraji P. Henson. Tra- Somebody in this room has a little crush on Taraji P. Henson. <laughs> I like Taraji P. <laughs> now, Tyler Perry, we have not seen all of his movies. No. Uh, but his dramas, at least the ones we've seen, kind of fall into a, a, a troubling pattern, and this one follows suit. Now, this one begins with an on-screen definition of the word acrimony. So that pretty much lets you know what you're in for. Nothing is going to be left to your thought at all. Everything is going to be He doesn't have a lot of trust in you. his audience. Not much, no, because it almost... Because what, what happens is Taraji P's character, Melinda, has been ordered into some court-appointed therapy, anger management because she has been constantly harassing her ex-husband Robert and his new fiance. So we get Taraji P's version of the events that led up to this through her talking to her therapist. So it becomes just constant, constant talking about her character. Even when they flash back and show a younger version of herself doing things, you still got the, the narration giving the characters thoughts. This is what I was thinking. The whole, it might as well be an audio book. I've said this many times. There are certain times where a voiceover narration works really well, but those times maybe twice in a year. I think voiceover narration is one of the laziest screenwriting crutches that there is. Well, it leaves nothing, nothing to your audience to gather for themselves. Right. It's just there's no nuance at all, no subtlety. It's just this, this, this is what I was thinking, this, and you're told constantly what to think about things because you're constantly told this character's motivation even as you see you see it play out in flashbacks they don't leave it up to you to follow along it's here this is what was going on this is what i was thinking until it comes up to present day and everything about the movie is just so obvious forced and contrived i mean all of the dialogue even the organic dialogue that's not narration i mean it's 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 the kind of obviousness where a character is trying to call another character on a cell phone. It rings one time, and the character, oh, he's not picking up. That's how just, here, I'm going to spoon-feed you everything, right, right, and right. the entire movie becomes like that. I don't want to give away what happens, but let's just say that you know she has been, Melinda, uh, Taraji P's character, has been with her husband as he has been going to school and trying to perfect this invention of his, which is kind of a self-perpetuating battery, a battery that doesn't need to be charged. And he's constantly trying to get, a, to get a meeting with this company. And so she has, at the very beginning, as when they meet in college, she has already inherited a large sum of money and her mother's house after her mother passes away. So she supports her husband through college, through these things, and then the years go on, and he can't really get a job, and he's not really adding much to the relationship, and blah, blah, blah. She thinks he's cheating. And then it brings us up to, to when things get get Harry and she starts harassing them after they split up. So I don't want to say where it goes from there, but in some of Tyler Perry's movies, he has a kind of eyebrow-raising penchant for making sure that women who don't stand by their men get a comeuppance. Yeah, it's it's not just a penchant. I mean, it's he's almost pathological about it. And it's very interesting the way he turns it around because in nearly all of his dramas, the lead is a female. So you get the sense that it's this female empowering. It's this, you know, it's this great... And Trija P. Henson deserves to have a role where she dominates the film and she's a great actor. But the, the problem with Tyler Perry's dramas is that... It's kind of a sleight of hand. You've got a female lead who, whether she's a villain or whether she's a hero, the point is something terrible happens to her because she was unfaithful to a man or because she didn't stand by her man or because she did one thing wrong. She usually dies. 
So it's it is a troubling theme through his dramas. It's not just her character that is strong throughout most of the movie. She's got some very strong-willed sisters that are constantly berating her husband and at least from what we see on screen her sister her sisters are the the take charge partner in their relationships and their marriages. So you're right. You see on screen, wow, we're seeing some strong women here. But he's really pointing out the folly in strong women. It, That's what he does in his movies. It is. I'll tell you what. It is is easy to to make that assumption. And again, I don't want to spoil what happens in the end. But it goes down that road. And I will say that by the time it gets to the finale, I got the feeling that he thought that because. This is how he chose to end the movie. It was kind of his get-out-of-jail-free card for writing the character this way, which I don't think it works at all. It, it is a mess of a finale, and it really, there were some, some laughs uh, in mm. the screening I mm. saw, which I don't think were intended. And it's kind of an almost unintentional camp of a finale that is kind of fitting for a mess of a movie. And it's too bad, you know, after Proud Mary is that, is that you know, she's, she's made two large or she got to be in charge she got to be the lead character just in movies that were not were not good enough for her yeah that is true one more this week that's out in limited release and it's been getting some attention mainly for the lead performance it's the story of a sexually curious teen forming an unorthodox kinship with her mentally unstable stepbrother it's called flower i know what goes on in this town behind closed doors are we forgetting something Hey, who are they? <laughs> What's going on here? Smile, Dale! Okay, put the phone down. I'm gonna prison you, criminal. Okay, that won't ever hold up in a court of law. We're not taking you to court. We're just taking your money. <laughs> We're vigilantes. It's our moral obligation. Okay, so then what's the plan? I want our money. What if we break in and tie him up? Are you fucking like, literally, like, yeah. Now, the lead performer who's been getting a lot of attention there is named Zoe Deutsch. I think it's Deutsch, how you pronounce her last name. She's the daughter of Leah Thompson. From Back to the Future. Right, and right, which is a little tie-in to Ready Player One. And she's been getting a bunch of roles lately, but this seems to be possibly her quote-unquote star-making role. She's very good in a movie that we can't say is as good as she is. Right. Now, uh, like Taraji P, she she leads this film. Mm-hmm. She is the, the the main character. She does an amazing performance. The film itself, which is directed by Max Winkler, it's kind of like it's trying to be a mashup of like, Juno and Superbad, sort of a raunchy, wise, sex teen comedies, but it doesn't have the sweetness. The character, she's borderline irredeemable. Mm. So it's very hard. Event, you just keep waiting for an opportunity to root for her and it just never happens. You The whole time you're just like, boy, this would be a great time for you to wise up. And so you can only really carry that so far without being completely sort of disgruntled with a film. Yeah, it makes some curious choices because the really the, the center of the film, she is 17, so she's underage. And she and her group of friends, her name is Erica, her character's name is Erica, have a little scam going where they're extorting men that they put, they intentionally put in uh, sexual situations yes. and then extort them for money. And then an added element comes in when her stepbrother, who's a little unstable, I guess you would say, um, accuses a teacher of 
sexual molestations. Right. So then they set out to... Adam Scott. Adam Scott, yeah. So they set out to blackmail him. So there's a lot of very... Shady, and uncomfortable and envelope edgy, pushing. Yeah, edges, especially for their underage here. So you get the feeling that the director is trying to maybe make a statement about maybe the, the seeds of alienation or you're not quite sure because it goes off in so many directions. You don't feel like... He's sure about right. what he's trying to yes. say, except for being, ooh, shocking. Right, right. And, you know, again, I mean, you know, Zoe Deutsch's performance is strong enough to to really sort of merit some attention. But other than that, I just don't, I can't see recommending this film. Yeah, it was one that I think some people, it, it's, it's going to hit some people differently, I think. Um, but it will be uncomfortable for a good number of people. Uh, in the, the situations that these underage characters get put in, and how and how the film treats those sort of issues, the issues of consent. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of, as you said, a dicey is a good word. A lot of dicey issues going on here. But at the very top is the performance of Zoe Deutsch, which is going to be the big attention getter in this movie, and that's really what what it deserves, what mm-hmm. the, what the film deserves. Her her performance out front, and that is flower. Moving to the releases in home entertainment this week, well, there's really just one. You may have heard of it, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I'm surprised nobody else wanted to come out the same week as Star Wars: <laughs> The Last Jedi. Oh man, I'll tell you, it's it's one that got so much conversation, and and I thought surprising for me, vitriol. Yes, I, I agree with you. When we saw it, we thought, well, this is going to please everybody. Who wouldn't like this movie? Well, a lot of people. Yeah, we I mean not enough to keep it from being the biggest grossing box office movie of the year, but still, a lot of people didn't like it. We've talked about this before, and and uh, our reaction to it, but we both thought it was a, a really, really great movie that honored the past with an eye toward the future and i think it was that eye toward the future that bothered a lot of yeah. the the fans and again i've said i consider myself well you know one of the entry level star wars fans back when i was in junior high school oh yeah yeah when yeah. it came out so now i haven't followed it through all the other spin-off books and everything like that but i i thought it was it was just an, a great way to like i said uh, take these characters wrap up some plot lines and then let it let it be known that okay now we're moving forward yeah. now we're moving ahead in a new direction which is totally fine I yeah. thought no I mean I did think that there were a couple of of scenes uh, that weren't necessary agreed but you know it's funny one of the scenes that I thought was unnecessary was this big part on this gambling casino which was really just eye candy and fun but pointless and then the other thing I thought was. Actually, it's kind of fun for a Star Wars movie for them to go off an adventure that really doesn't work out. <laughs> I thought, well, that's a, that's a nice change of pace. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple things for me that didn't didn't quite work, but on the whole, I, I thought it was uh, Ryan Johnson was the writer director. Love him. Uh, and took it in in ways that I, I thought were ingenious, and, and again, a, a great way to kind of do do both things at once. You know, honor the past and, and move toward the future. So yeah, we, and, and and to be clear about that too, which I mean, there were many yes. times where they say, "Let's just burn the past down." <laughs> oh yeah, it's very just time. Literally. They were clear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, that is the big one on home entertainment this week, and we both gave it a bigger recommendation. Looking ahead to next week, boy, there's some things coming out that we've been looking forward to. Oh, I cannot wait for A Quiet Place. I can't remember the last time I was so excited to see a movie. It's uh, We like the trailers. We like the advanced word. John Kaczynski and Emily Blunt, and it looks like a straight-up horror it film. It totally does. So we shall see. Also, Blockers. 
uh, also known as cock blockers. And I, just from the trailer, I laughed. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it's a good sign. We will see. Another one we're excited about, Isle of Dogs. A big week next week. Yeah, Isle Wes of Anderson's dogs. new animated, The Isle of Dogs. And one that caught my eye only because it's about two people heading down to Key West, the place we've been to multiple times and love so much, a movie called The Leisure Seeker with a Donald Sutherland and Helen Mirren comes out next week Love as Helen well. Mirren. Yeah, Love Donald so, Sutherland. So we'll uh, check those out next week. But for now, let us know what you thought of maybe Ready Player One. That's a big one this week. Uh, chime in. As always, the easiest way is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. On Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at Mad Wolf Columbus or look us up on our main website for all our written reviews. And you can find our other podcast, our horror-centric podcast Fright Club, all that at madwolf.com. So until then, get in touch if you can. The Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and Marcus Crosswoods Theater. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.